0: This is a Woodside Church podcast. Well, it's great to be together this morning, great to be uh, looking at God's Word. yeah, I've just—I'm on. I've got a bit of a samosa high going on. Just so I know, not that there's competition here, but the other site samosas as you left, and so I've got a bit of energy, you know, and so you know who knows what will happen, but I should have brought some with me, shouldn't I? <laughs> Next time I do that, honest. <laughs> okay. Um, for those of you who I haven't seen you, uh, thank you for your. Your comments, your prayers, your encouragement from uh, my trip to West Africa. Came back just over a week ago, went to Ghana, then Sierra Leone. Uh, had a fantastic time. In fact, the, the team have allowed me um, to share in a bit more detail than what we may have done previously. So, in a couple of weeks' time on the Sunday morning, I'm going to be using the Sunday morning to tell us, to share about what God's doing in that part of the world. So, looking forward to doing that. Uh, so, but had a fantastic time. So, thank you so much for your support in that. I mean, one thing I did learn uh, was reminded again, uh, and I may have said before, but I, you know, when when preachers preach in this country, uh, often when they get to an important part, they actually lower their voice. Have you noticed? So, so they'd be talking, and then they would say, "Let me just tell you about this," and, and it's a, it's like a technique, if you like. It just culturally works, if you like not in Africa, not, in the, no, uh, not where I was anyway. Uh, and, and, and certainly in West Africa, I did, they said to me, one moment uh, previously, they said, whenever you lower your voice, they don't think you believe what you say. So you have to say it with passion and, and volume. And so if I shout occasionally, <laughs> it's a bit of a hangover, but we had great fun. Uh, I, yeah, it was just an awesome time. So looking forward to, to share more in a couple of weeks' time. Anyway, enough about that. Uh, we're going to talk about the last part, if you like, the finale. Finale, sorry. The final sounds like <laughs> The final part. Gosh, it's a bit. I'm a bit buzzy, aren't I? Uh, uh, sorry, I do apologise. Um, so we're talking about the. La- I get this on the the third preach. Uh, this is the third, third preach. You get a little bit. Yeah, nearly there. So I feel nearly there. <laughs> Nearly, nearly done it. Sorry. My name's Martin. I'd like to welcome you. Great to be with you. So we've been looking at sustainable growth uh, for four weeks. It's a short mini-series that we wanted to do in light of when we went to three services over two sites. God God grew us, and i mean, looking around. There's many faces, I know that are connected with us that only would have joined since some time between now and January or maybe around that sort of time. It's great to have you with us, we believed God wanted us to create space for more people to come and we're seeing that and so that's very exciting. We felt God speak to us about a recent, in light of the growth he's bringing to do some things that he would have us do in order to create a context, if you like, or an environment for sustainable growth and so that's what we're, we're looking to do. We focused that on the last Three weeks it's been the fourth week and this will be the the final part of this series looking at how what we can do and our main focus has been on our community groups it's our small groups where we care for one another where we look after one another where we challenge sometimes one another and so the importance of everyone being well connected into groups and we're looking to to Uh, do our normal thing which is when we get to the summer we close every group, sounds contrary to what I just said but we close every group in order to to launch them all afresh at the end of September. But this time we want to have a bit of an acceleration in leaders, number of leaders and number of groups and so we've got a date on June the 23rd I believe it is when we'd like all current leaders, uh, those who had led groups before but aren't leading today Uh, and also anyone who may feel They'd like to explore group leadership or would like to grow in that area. We'd like you to come on June the 23rd and we want to invest in one another, talk about how we can do that. So that's been the main focus of the first three weeks. Last week, I thought Tim Green was fantastic on deeper care. It's a brilliant message. Please listen to that online if you haven't heard it. Agent Horner did Reliance on the Holy Spirit, which I was away for, but I understand was outstanding too. So lots of those things we've been looking at. However, today I want to broaden it, not just talk about small groups or community groups, but actually broaden about this whole area of sustainable growth, about how this is something that all of us can engage in. And in fact, there's something in the teaching of the New Testament that is foundational to us, all create an environment in our own lives but also in other people's lives alongside us where God will bring growth and the title or the heading I'd like to use for this is simply make multiplying disciples make multiplying disciples there's a leader called Bob Roberts who in fact is a good friend of David Devonish one of the elders here and Bob Roberts leads a church in Texas. He's quite a loud Texan, if you can imagine. Big character, big man, uh, fantastic leader. He's written some great books. The one I'm reading at the moment is called The Multiplying Church. And He says this, which I find so helpful for our moment uh, today and and currently in this season, if you like. He says these words. uh, It's not on your screen, so forgive me, I'll have to read it to you. It says this, it's a lot easier to build buildings or higher buildings, as we've done on the West, fill them up and have special events than it is to pour into the lives of people and make multiplying disciples. But it's the only thing that will really work. Isn't that helpful? So we can open up a West site, we can create space here, we can encourage people to come, and that's, that's fine. That's good things to do. But it's not, it has no comparison over pouring into people's lives and make them multiplying disciples. But the truth is that's the only thing that really works is when we pour into one another's lives. Tell the person next to you, you need to have life poured into you. <laughs> you need life poured into you. You need life. Yeah. <laughs> we all need that, don't we? We all need the life of God poured into us. Yes. You're with me still. I know you haven't had samosas, but I have. So, you, so I need. So, you pour, we all need the life of Jesus poured into us. But we are supposed to be used by God to pour that life into one another. We do receive it, obviously, directly from God, but nothing of what the Bible describes in terms of church is an individualistic journey with God. It's a family, and it's one another being affected by one another and one another pouring life into us and helping us not to be disciples of each other, but helping us to draw on Jesus and be disciples of him. I love it. I think that's what church is fundamentally Seeking to do as a family. To be those that make multiplying disciples. Jesus put it this way. Jesus came and told disciples in Matthew. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey All the commands I have given you. And be sure of this I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, multiplying disciples is for all of us. We receive something in that process, but we also are involved in making and multiplying other disciples. Around us, and what I'd like to do—there's many examples we could look at in the New Testament, particularly, but it goes back to the Old as well. The whole story of the Bible is a story of multiplication. But there's one relationship in the New Testament I particularly want to use to help us and say, "Well, what does this look like?" You know, this for some of you thinking, "Yeah, I, I sort of know the making disciples bit." It's not exactly revelation to many of you but how do we how do we do that what does that look like and I want to look at a relationship between a guy called Paul and a guy called Timothy and look at how their relationship was a discipleship relationship but also how that relationship transitioned to different ways of relating to one another depending on how that journey of discipleship was going it evolved in their story really helpfully and of course look at how we apply that to our lives. Just to give you a glimpse of how Paul saw this relationship, he wrote these things according to the letter to Timothy. He said this, you have heard me teach things, this is writing to Timothy from Paul. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people Who will be able to pass them on to others in that brief sentence you get Paul who taught these things to Timothy things that actually were backed up by others who also saw that Paul was being consistent and authentic but you got Paul teaching Timothy telling Timothy to teach others reliable people who can then go on and teach more people. And you get this four layers just in the one sentence. And you see, Paul's heart is not just to equip Timothy, to disciple Timothy, but for Timothy to be also thinking about the disciples that he's going to make and the ones that they're going to make. You see? And the fact that we are here today is as a result of these types of moments that we read in the Bible. We are connected to this story. Paul had in mind. That many generations that we would like us, like others around the world, we would be connecting with and connected with this story of discipleship. And what I want to do is focus on three ways that this relationship between Paul and Timothy evolved and how. The discipleship is different in those different moments. And forgive me, there are three Ps. So, uh, you know, preachers like coming up with the same word. I normally don't, but there you go. Three Ps. And one is for parenthood, pace setting, and partnering. Okay? So that's what we're going to look at. Different phases parenthood, pace setting, and partnering. Okay? You're listening, I can tell. So let's look at parenthood, phase one if you like. Timothy, uh, sorry Paul wrote these words to Timothy, he said this. Timothy, my true son in the faith. Timothy, my true son, it's got a beautiful phrase in it, my true son in the faith. What we see, as we see in many, many different moments in the New Testament, is first we see family language, Coming into this relationship. Because church is not an institution. It's not clearly not a business. It's it's a family. And so family language and family relationships is what is weaved through the whole of the story of the church. But of course, Paul, who actually was a single man and remained a single man to his death, Paul is not talking about biological. Um, He's he's not saying you need to be married or you need to have biological children this is something for everyone and Timothy was his true son in the faith now Timothy we first come across in Acts 16 which is the story of the early church it's when Paul is heading off to his second church planting missionary journey and he stops in a place called Lystra and he picks up this young disciple, which we find out is Timothy. And this Timothy accompanies him, assists him, almost serves him as a sort of an apprentice. He comes alongside him and begins to learn from Timothy. And we see this wonderful father-son relationship. I mean, the truth is that younger believers all need mums and dads in the church, I don't mean biological mums and dads, I mean those that can be like a mum or like a dad to younger believers. The reality is, is that older believers also need those that are mums and dads to them. See this, is, this isn't just a young believer relationship, this is, this is actually we all need those that we can look to as fathers and mothers. I mean I have loads of mums and loads of dads in this church I read really you, they, they encourage me, they often challenge me, they instruct me, they bring wisdom into my life. I have it a plenty. <laughs> Sometimes I've got plenty of mums and dads, you know. But I need that. I need those that will bring wisdom. We all need that. I think I was, it was Dawn a few months ago, my wife sat there. Um, Dawn said to me, she read something online, I think, and it said that, that today people are not looking for knowledge and information because they can get that by googling it. There's knowledge and information too much actually. So there's no shortage of information out there. What people need today is wisdom, is wisdom. They need a, a father or a mother that's gonna bring wisdom into their life. Yes there's instruction as well but actually there's information, there's knowledge, we can glean that easily, we can easily attain that and absorb that, we need wisdom today. Do you know one of the best disciple makers in Woodside Church, many of you will know this person, not all of you, is a lady called Joy May. Who knows Joy May? There you go, so if you don't know Joy May, she them Ron and Joy are based in the, the west side and Joy and her family run a business making, um, uh, publishing books. It's called the Nosh se- Nosh series. Now I'm not trying to trying to promote Nosh books here. This is I haven't gone down some strange track. But let me explain what happens in my family. So Dawn, it's my lovely wife. She's a great cook. Always been a great cook. And uh, we have this thing at home where uh, Dawn loves to cook. And I love to eat. That's, that's how it works. It, it's not a sexist thing. I know that's it's very normal for, for guys to, to, to cook these days. It's just never appealed to me. In fact, Dawn also likes to mow the lawn. <laughs> isn't it great? It's great. Someone said to me in an earlier meeting, So, what do you do? And I said, I love my wife. Is he? So, he? you see, <laughs> <here's my hand. laughs> Could be married to me, isn't it? Sometimes, sometimes. And so, uh, so yeah. So, so this last week, honestly, I turned to Dawn. We were eating something for tea, and it was amazing. And I turned to Dawn. I said, "Dawn, this is this is fantastic." She said, "Don't thank me. Thank Joy May, because Joy May and her family have done these numbers of cookery books that make, uh, you know, beautiful dishes very." I'm told, (laughs) very easy to make. And so she, now I'm not promoting Nosh books, although if you want to know how to cook, well, buy them, they're great. Um, But it's more about that discipleship process. And that, in fact, impacts the whole of life because we need wisdom, we need instruction, we need to be those who are investing and pouring life into others but also receiving and having life poured into us. So I guess the questions we could ask around this first phase is who are you parenting and who's parenting you? Who are you parenting and who's parenting you? I don't mean your biological children if you have children. I mean in a church family, who are you parenting and who's parenting you? Now sometimes if you're, Young in the faith, or you're young to a church maybe, or you may feel that, well, I'm too young to be a parent in a church family. Whereas actually sometimes, many times, we underestimate what God's done in us and the wisdom he's placed in us that we can begin to invest in someone else. Now, you may prefer to think about a younger brother or a younger sister. It almost doesn't matter. It's the principle that we are to be those that, Make multiplying disciples. In fact, Timothy was a young man when he received this instruction from Paul. But also, we need to ask ourselves who's parenting you? Because we may think we've come to a place of maturity that somehow we don't need that sort of input anymore. You know, we've become like a mum or a dad. Whereas my experience is I still need dads and mums to help me and parent me and bring wisdom into my life yeah only me only me so this week i was in a team meeting Uh, the the elders of the church like the fathers of the church we only meet termly uh, so quite a long long agenda (laughs) we only meet termly because most of the leadership comes through the wider team but we meet termly, and one, it was interesting, I can't go into details at this moment, but there was one moment in David Devonish, who is no doubt is a father in God to me, as he probably is to many of us in this room. And David just shared a story of faith from some of the early days of Woodside. And it really challenged us, and certainly challenged me. And resulted in us as a team having a discussion about, hey, there's some faith journeys we need to press into. And I thought, David, you're doing it again. You're being the father. You're being a dad to me. You're, 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 I still need this. Do you know? I still need that parenting. So who are you parenting, but also who's parenting you? That's number one. Number two is this, pace setting, pace setting. In Paul's second letter to Timothy, he wrote these words. You know what I teach and how I live. And what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. Again, amazing, insightful description. He's saying, Look, you know, you know me, Timothy. You know what I teach, you know how I live it out, and what my purpose in life is, you know my faith, my patience my love, my endurance. See what Paul was to Timothy was a pace setter. He said look, look at me and run to that pace. He said you know what I'm like. And he was a pace setter to Timothy, to the one that he was encouraging and bringing through. Let me explain it this way, I, I'm, not a, <laughs> I'm not an athlete as you probably know. But a few weeks, I, was going to talk about, I want to talk about the London Marathon uh, and in fact, a few weeks before the London Marathon, uh, uh, Dawn, and i's youngest, Dawn and I's youngest daughter was running the half marathon. and uh, uh, Dawn saw Mo Farrow very briefly as he dashed past, is that right? And then Becky, very close behind, was running. But then a few weeks later, it was interesting, the London Marathon, a, a Kenyan athlete, who I always get pronounce his name wrong, So, forgive me for this, it's Elid Kipchoge. Kipchoge, Kipchoge, Elid Kipchoge, thank you, Kipchoge, thank you. So, Kenyan athlete, we call him Elid, um, and he is phenomenal, and he just keeps winning every marathon that he's running. And he did the London Marathon in two hours, two minutes, and 37 seconds. That's really quick. The interesting thing is that he is so good that people are now talking about him breaking the two-hour barrier for the marathon. So much so that there's discussion about having a race that is designed to help him to break the two-hour barrier. And the way way they're going to do it is they're going to have a number of pace setters that are going to run with him and set a pace for different parts of the race in order that he can break the two-hour barrier. To give you an idea, to break the two-hour barrier, he'd have to run every mile in four minutes and 35 seconds. What? Those of us who can remember Bannister breaking the four-minute mile, I can't remember that, but I've seen the... the uh, I've seen <laughs> But just four minutes 35 seconds. But this is the thing, this is the point. You see, he is a phenomenal athlete and he can run so much faster than anyone else. But what does he need in order for him to achieve all that he can do? He needs pace setters. Other people to set a pace for a particular part of his marathon run in order for him to complete the whole of his journey. If you bring that back to Timothy and Paul, Timothy is saying, look, look at me, look at my faith, look at my endurance. Look at my patience, look at my love, look at my life, follow my pace. Not just so uh, Paul can grow in all that God has done, but in order to help Timothy to be all that God has called Timothy to be. Because so often when we think about ourselves growing in God, we think individualistically. We think about, okay, I want to grow I want to grow in this area of my ministry. I want to grow in, in how God used me in leadership or how he uses my faith or how he uses my, my faithfulness or how, how he uses my servanthood or how he uses me prophetically. And there's all these things that we will weave into it. But you what Paul's saying is, yes, that's important, but not just in order for yourself, but because God's calling you to set a pace for someone else. It's great, isn't it? And so we see these two things weave together. So we could ask ourselves the question couldn't we, are you, am I running at a good pace? In faith, patience, love, endurance? Or are there any areas that need attention? What does God want to do in us? Not just for ourselves but in order for us to be great pace setters for someone else. I love this. Isn't this lovely? It's just a church isn't it? We think so individualistic but actually, there's this family that God wants to work through. And phase three is Partnering, partnering. In Romans chapter sixteen, there's this brief mention of Timothy that is very insightful for indicate how their relationship changed. So in Timothy, in uh, Romans sixteen verse twenty-one, uh, Paul wrote these words: "Timothy, my fellow worker, sends you his greetings. Timothy, my fellow worker, sends you his greetings." Timothy has gone from being a son to a student and now he's a fellow worker, he's a colleague, he's he's a co-laborer with Paul. We can spend and we should do praying for more workers for all that God wants to do, some of that Jesus instructed us to do. But Paul shows us that actually sometimes and often the answer to that prayer is how we are going to invest in others to help people go from a son, to a student, to a co-laborer. It's not just praying for more workers and then stepping back and waiting for Jesus to do it. It's actually saying, no, no, how do I play my part in bringing people through into being all that God wants them to? So they go from a place where once you were pace setting and now they're partnering with you in the gospel. I remember when Dawn and I were uh, just transitioning from where we were in St. Nitz, I used to lead a team in St. Nitz, a church there. And we were uh, looking at how we would trans, uh, transition over to Woodside. We'd spoken to the team uh, and I needed to, to, uh, to share with my team in St. Nitz what God was saying to us and how we felt God leading us to move what it is back to Bedford for us. And I mean, sitting in a team meeting, and a guy called Ian, Ian Hoyle, good friend of ours, uh, was in the meeting. As I'm pouring my heart out, saying God has spoken to me about this and this, Tim, as Ian starts to starts to smile, I'm thinking, what's he smiling at? So I keep going and sharing how God's spoken to me. And then he he slightly chuckles. I'm thinking, hang on a minute, this is serious stuff I'm sharing here, you know. And then he said, No, no, you don't understand. He said, God has been speaking to me about Ian. This is about what he needs to be doing and what I was about to share I thought God is saying that we should leave and Ian said well I'm so pleased you're saying that because God has just has been saying to me that if Martin doesn't go he realizes that he's got to go and plant his own church because he felt God calling him to step up into leadership, into leading the team. It was a wonderful God moment when you realised, you know, God's on it all. And God was speaking to me over here and speaking to Ian here. But what I realised is what was happening is I was very much the pace setter for Ian. In fact, he was very much a son to me. I was the one who said, actually, you know, I think there's real potential in you. Found that it was a call on his life, started to spend time with him. So he really came alongside me. Then I, was, I felt I was very much setting the pace. And then suddenly I think, ah, okay, we've transitioned. He's now a co-laborer. He's partnering with me. And now he's flying, leading the team and has done ever ever since. You see, so there's that moment of transition. Finally, let's look at how we land this. How are we doing? Is it 10 passes? Is that right? (laughs) Not much left. Okay, number one. How How do we make multiplying disciples? Some of this we've covered so it won't take too long. First, are you setting a good pace? It's quite challenging, I realise, but are you running a good race at a good pace? Not for yourself. This is the bit that grabbed me on, on when I looked at this. You know, you want to do the right things in order all that God's doing in you, but for those that you're setting a pace for. Because they may run so much further and so much faster than you'll ever run, which is what's so exciting. Secondly, Do you see or are you seeing potential in others? It's so easy to spot the finished article. You know when someone leads worship and they've been leading for years and we all say, oh, what an anointed worship leader. That's dead easy. What's really difficult is seeing that person 10 years previous when they're just starting out and you see potential in them and there's some rough edges and you think, I can work with those. I can help you. In fact, you may be a worship leader. you're going to help that person and they may go far further than you've ever been as a worship leader or whatever area of life you might apply it to. I think it's, I find it so helpful to remember and God often reminds me of what I was like when I started out and all my very rough edges and I've still got many, I'm sure. Thirdly, who are you going to pour life into this coming year? Let's land this. Who are you going to put pour life into this coming year? If you're a group leader or thinking of group leadership, who's gonna be the person alongside you? If you're in another ministry in the church, who are you gonna grab and say, I wanna pour life into you, pour the life of Jesus into you? Well, let's think wider, what about in life? I, mean, I mentioned joy made deliberately to get us thinking not just uh, so-called spiritual things, life things. Where are we gonna pour life into someone? In the workplace you find yourself. In the environment, your home or in the, uh, around the school area, wh- 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 who are you going to pour life into? Fourthly, what phase of process are you in with the people that you would look to or look, they would look to you? And do you need to transition to the next phase? So I mentioned David Devinish. I mean, he's a pretty impressive leader, let's be honest. <laughs> if, you, if you've been around here for a while, you'll know that to be true. Uh, works apostolically around the world. He's an amazing blessing, and he's definitely a father to me. But he's in my team, and I definitely lead the team. It's not like we're all sitting in a room, and you know those moments where we're thinking, "Yeah, but what does David think?" Yeah, that's fine, Martin. But what does David think? It's not like that. You know, I, we've transitioned, and we're partnering in the gospel. It doesn't mean he's no longer no longer a father to me, as I illustrated. Further, but there was a moment when I realized I've got to be who God's called me to be and flourish in that. And it because I think because of David, because of our relationship, it works so so well. And fifthly, and finally, are you dreaming some big dreams with people? Are you dreaming some big dreams with people? You see, for me, when I think of raising up more group leaders. Yes, I am concerned that we raise up more group leaders, but actually I'm more excited about who those group leaders may become. Who knows what God's plan is for someone who will lead a group next year and then a few years' time they'll be preaching here or they'll be planting a church in another town or another nation or there'll be... Uh, a major business leader or they'd be heading up the health service or they'd be helping in education. It, it, it's thinking, what do we need to do here? But actually, this person may run fur, further and faster than I or you can ever do, but I can set a pace. I can help this person do what I can do or, or help them to do what God's called them to do today in order to become all that they are called to be tomorrow. So who are you dreaming some big dreams with? As I started, I talked about Bob Roberts. I said that you know he talked about pouring into people's lives, make making multiplying disciples. I think that's foundational to what we're called to do. That's what church does all the time. And it's something that involves all of us as we parent, yes, as we pay set, and also as we partner, as that relationship evolves with one another. Let's stand together as we pray. What I'd love to do is just for, a very, uh, just for a moment to be silent, I'd like you to think about two questions I'd like you to ask God, if you, if you will. And the first question is, 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 are there areas that God wants to adjust in our life in order for us to, to be a better pace setter? Is there an area of faith, an area of endurance, an area of love? or something else that God's saying I want to grow you there not just because I want you to grow there but actually I want you to help that other person that I'm going to bring alongside you that's the first question is an area that we need to grow in order to be a strong pace setter secondly is the question asked to ask God it who is the person or the people that he wants you to invest in to pour life into in the coming year the coming 12 months Just like to be quiet before God as we ask those questions together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you've given us mothers and fathers in the church. We thank you for what an amazing, uh, life-giving service they've given to us and continue to give to us. Lord, we pray for many mums and dads in this church that we could learn from that we can draw from, that can help us to grow in our love of you. But God, I also pray that we would be those that would be mums and dads to others, that we would set a good pace, and many we would end up partnering in the gospel. God, I pray that you would use us to be a people that make multiplying disciples well. That I pray that would be deep in us, that we would get it, and we would partner with you as we see that life flow through those around us. Lord, we thank you that you've you've called us to be family. We thank you for the richness that that, that is and and that we enjoy. And we pray, would you continue to work in us as we continue to partner with you as you seek to grow Woodside, but also expand the way that Woodside blesses others in this town, in the nation, and the nations of the world. We pray, God, would you do that in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.